Today, we're going to talk about porn. I understand that this is a heavy subject and not to demean it in any way, but uh, we're going to kind of go about it a little bit on a lighter note. So if you are struggling with porn or you have a spouse or somebody that you care about that struggles with porn, uh, this episode is going to be for you. Some things we're going to touch on today is how common yet unspoken it is, its effects, why it's so addictive, and deeper reasons why one would look at porn. So I've struggled with porn since I was about 11 years old. And a big part of why I'm doing this podcast is is the progress that I've seen, I feel like can be really helpful to others. And I feel like I've learned so much on my journey. It's something that isn't really talked about. And that's that's why I'm going to go into it today. So I'm going to do three episodes with this. And the first I'm going to be talking about stats I'm going to clear up any misconceptions about porn, and I'm going to talk about my story as well. And then my second episode, I'm going to do with my wife, and we're going to go over what role she's played for me, common questions and tools for couples who, um, one spouse that may struggle with pornography. And then my third episode, I'm just going to dive deep into the psychology of it, biggest things that have helped me, and kind of what's helped me in my journey. So a few stats on porn, and this is going to blow your guys' mind, but it, it's all, you guys can look it up. You guys can find this information, but two out of three males look at porn every single month. One out of three females look at porn every single month. And you guys might be thinking like, oh man, but like Utah, it's, it's different, but it's actually worse. Utah was the state that consumed the most porn in 2008 2017 and has been in the top 10 states that consume the most porn every single year since 2008. And that can be a whole different discussion of why that is. But these stats are are pretty crazy. So this is a actually a BYU study. 93% of male teens and 62% of female teens were exposed to internet porn. Men who look at porn in the last week are 22% more likely to feel lonely, 34% more likely to feel unhappy with how they look, and 32% more likely to feel self-conscious or insecure. 30% of all web traffic is related to porn, and the porn industry generates more income than the combined revenues of the NFL, NBA, and MLB. In the U.S., the porn industry generates around $97 billion a year, and every second, $3,075 is spent on pornography. Pretty freaking crazy how high those stats are, and, and it just doesn't match up how often people are talking about it. It seems like everyone kind of brushes it under the rug, no one likes to confront it. No one likes to talk about it. There's specific reasons for that, and I'm going to go into it, but we're going to kind of start with my story and and kind of how it all shaped out. So when I was 11 years old, I got the first iPod Touch. It was like 2007. The iPod Touch was like the biggest thing that the iPhone was out as well. And this was a really new thing for everybody. Nobody at this point had had smartphones and internet in their pocket at all times. So I got my first iPod and obviously I'm 10, 11 years old, pretty curious. And I sought out looking at pornography and it started out more as like a curiosity thing. As any young boy going through or through puberty, they're going to 
experience these feelings and these urges, especially if they have 24 access um, to internet in their pocket. But as I kind of started to get into it, I didn't really know what it was. I kind of knew it was bad, but I didn't really understand it quite well. I wasn't very educated on the effects of it. I didn't, I didn't understand why it was so bad. And I felt really depressed because I couldn't talk to anybody about it. And I remember in junior high going, walking through the hallways and being like, man, I felt like I was the only one going through this in junior high. But I mean, as I look back, I'm like, wow, there were so many kids struggling with it, but no one talked about it. And then very quickly, my exploration and curiosity turned into coping with emotions. It became very socially acceptable in high school. If you guys obviously have been through high school with smartphones and and stuff, you guys know that it becomes kind of a joke and people talk about it in a very humorous way. And during high school, I, I just thought, okay, like when my mission comes up, that's when I'll kind of overcome it. But like through high school, like it's not a big deal as long as kind of when I'm getting ready for my mission, I just overcome it. And then, yeah, that's it. Um, little did I know I was digging myself into a pretty big hole, creating that addiction or that habit. Also in high school, it, it messed with my expectations of what I what I thought sex was. And I can kind of dive into that a little bit because pornography is very visual. The only stimulus that you're getting is is the visual stimulus stimulus. But those who are married, I'm not won't go into too much detail, but you understand that sex is so much more than just a visual aspect. It's part of it, but I mean all the senses are involved. It's very emotional. It's very relationship driven. And pornography kind of warped that world for me. It became very much of a visual thing than a um, relationship thing. And, and I'll, I'll kind of go into more detail. So I, go, I start preparing for my mission and I realize very quickly that I, I am addicted to it. And I can't overcome it um, as easy as I thought I could. I was able to become sober for a few months before my mission and I left. And I didn't really have a problem with it on my mission, not because I overcame it, but I served my mission in Mexico. And I mean, we had little, little flip phones and it, it really wasn't a temptation. The only internet time I had was one hour a week in a, in a internet cafe surrounded by 30 other people. So although I didn't struggle on my mission, I don't feel like that's much of an accomplishment because I know there are missionaries that do have access to social media and access to internet, and it's a much different ballgame for them. So I got back from my mission and slowly started to fall back into the, the habit. Um, there's a story of, of Pavlov's dogs, if you've heard of it, of classical conditioning where every time Pavlov would feed his dogs, he'd, he'd ring a bell. And he did that every time he fed them. And then every time he would ring the bell, the dogs would salivate. And even when he didn't bring them food, he would ring the bell and they would start to salivate again. It was pretty interesting. And that kind of changed our way that we look at human behavior. So for me, as I mentioned in high school, I was coping with emotions such as loneliness, uh, maybe a little bit of depression, um, not feeling good enough. And 
that was a quick hit of dopamine for me. And then as I got back from my mission and I had 24-hour access to my to internet, those emotions came back and it was like Pavlov ringing that bell again of like, hey, you're feeling down right now. Here's this quick hit of dopamine that can bring you up only for a moment. So after my mission, I, I fell back into the habit. And again, I was like, okay, once I get married, like it's going to be gone. Like I'm not going to have to deal with this because I can have sex with my wife. It, it, it won't be a problem when I get married. And I started to date my now wife, Sarah. And I never told any girl that I was dating that I had struggled with it. And I wasn't going to tell Sarah. I was going to keep it under the table and, and not talk about it. But I'm pretty open with my dad about it. And, and he's been a really good tool for me. And my dad was like, hey, you need to talk to Sarah about this. You can't go into marriage expecting that it's going to go away. It might, but if it doesn't, you need to tell her beforehand. And I was like, okay, whatever. We'll, I'll talk to Sarah. At that point, I, I was pretty convinced that Sarah was going to break up with me. And I was like, okay, well, Sarah's going to break up with me. I'll have to overcome it and then I'll have to find a new girlfriend. But Sarah took it in a way that was honestly really, really helpful. And she was obviously really sad and it was really hard for her. But basically what I told her, I was like, hey, I've struggled with this for 10 plus years. And I promise that I will always be open and honest with you about it. And if you have any questions, we can talk about it. And I'm, I'm getting professional help right now. And I just kind of framed it in, in that way. And I'm not going to go into too much detail because next episode I'm going to do with Sarah and I want her to kind of explain her feelings and her thoughts towards it. But anyways, we decided to get married and first year of marriage was awesome. Like I really didn't struggle with it at all. But as these emotions started to come back, I realized that I hadn't fully overcome it yet. Every time I'd feel lonely or, or depressed, those same emotions, my brain was conditioned to look at pornography. And to anybody who thinks that porn is going to go away when you get married, I would like to challenge you on that, that it doesn't. I mean, I'm sure there are cases where it does, but porn is a coping mechanism for certain emotions and you're going to have those same emotions while you're married. So yeah, again, I'm going to do a podcast with Sarah and we're going to go into more details about it. But um, right now I'm three years into my marriage and where am I at right now? I can say that it has not completely left my life. Sometimes it's really good and, and sometimes it's not so good. And I feel like whenever I talk to anybody about it, it always seemed like it was a struggle in the past. Like nobody was dealing with it currently, which made me feel super alone in this journey of dealing with this in my marriage because I, I didn't know anybody that had struggled with it in their marriage. And it doesn't match up with the data. If two and three males are looking at pornography on a monthly basis, <laughs> It isn't that it was something in the past. A lot of people are currently struggling with it and nobody is talking about it. So the reason why I'm kind of opening up about this is because one, I want to challenge that, that I think it can be something that we can talk about with, with people that we trust. Obviously in this setting, it's a little bit different in a, in a podcast and being on social media. It's something that can be talked about. And then two, as you open up to others, 
you will start to realize that you are definitely not alone. And with opening up, you can start to find accountability and different things. I've seen so many benefits to opening up to trusted friends about this. Honestly, really, really powerful experiences. So what's helped me the most? One, leaning into a higher power for sure has been, whether that's God for you or whatever it is, but that for me has been a huge part in helping me get to where I'm at today. Again, it's not completely out of my life, but I feel like right now I'm doing the best that I ever have. And another reason for that is is opening up to others and being proactive. I feel like we always think that the next big event, we can kind of overcome pornography and we can kind of delay it. Like for example, with me, it was, oh, once I go on my mission, it will go away. And then two, oh, once I get married, it will go away. And I've even found myself while being married of like, oh, once I have kids, I'm not going to struggle with this. But I know that that's just a pattern and I need to overcome and be proactive now. And that's been super helpful. The third thing is uh, tracking data. So what I mean by that is every time I would mess up, I'd go on a Google sheet and I would, I would write down everything. I'd talk about the day that I messed up. I talked about the time, the location. Was Sarah home? Was she not home? Um, what emotions were felt, what triggered it. Literally, I would track everything on this Google Sheet. And after a few, almost a year of tracking, I started to notice specific patterns of when I would struggle with it more. For example, for me, Saturdays and Sundays, I'm much more vulnerable to messing up than Monday through Friday. Uh, That's because I don't work. Things are a lot more chill. I usually have more alone time. So because I've tracked my data, I now realize like, hey, Saturdays and Sundays, we got to kind of be on alert. And me me and Sarah can kind of game plan of like, hey, if Sarah's leaving all day Saturday, it's like, okay, now let's game plan. What am I going to do? So I'm not just at home alone and be in that vulnerable state. So that's really helped me. And then also there's been a lot of apps that I think I've subconsciously been triggered by that I've that I've deleted. But after tracking the data, I, I started to notice patterns and where the trigger happened with the data. And then the biggest thing that has helped me is accountability. And I'm going to save that for the last episode because that to me has been the biggest game changer. And I'll tell you everything that I've learned about it. And that's honestly been the biggest thing that's helped me right now. So why am I doing this? I think opening up can be a really powerful tool, being vulnerable with people. And I've also gotten amazing feedback from others with that. So I have one specific friend who he had been married for three to five years and he had struggled with pornography and he'd never told his wife ever about it. After I opened up about my story, he felt like he could open up to me about it. And I challenged him. I was like, dude, I really think you will feel so much better if you talk to your wife about this. And then two, she can help you with this. I don't know how she's going to react, but I think she would be understanding. And now instead of being this burden that you hide from her, she can now become a tool that can help you and you guys can work together on it. And honestly, I haven't felt more fulfilled in my life than helping this friend talked to his spouse about his addiction that he was dealing with alone. Because I haven't completely figured this out yet, I think it would be really powerful 
to create some type of community of men who can collaborate with what's working and what's not working. I'm going to start that in 2024, January. I don't really know what that's going to look like, but essentially it's going to be 10 to 15 guys that we're all working together, keeping each other accountable. And I think that's going to be a big movement and a way that people can kind of open up and talk about it more. So kind of the last thing I want to talk about is is just clearing up any uh, misconceptions about pornography addictions or habits. Some of those are is not all porn habits or addictions end in divorce. And I think in the church culture, that is talked about a lot that, hey, this guy got a divorce because he looked at porn or this guy divorced porn. It, it, it's, it's the narrative that you hear. But what you don't hear is the success stories of people that have overcome it in their marriage. And, and I'm totally determined that that's going to be me that I will be one of those success stories. And I thought it would be cool to take you guys along the journey of what I find to be helpful, what I find not to be helpful, and kind of go at it with people rather than, hey, I overcame this by my course and and you can overcome it too, which is kind of what I see a lot of. The second misconception is porn in most cases is a coping mechanism. It's not so much a sexual thing. It may start out as a sexual thing as it did for me when I was young, but people have coping mechanisms in all different forms. For example, social media, shopping, eating, everybody has coping mechanisms and some are more powerful than others, but porn is a coping mechanism for emotions. Women struggle with this too. Like I said earlier in the stats, one in every three women um, struggle with this. And that, if if pornography with men isn't talked about very much, pornography with women is definitely not talked about enough. Another thing, misconception is, is shame around pornography. I believe guilt, when someone feels guilty, I think that's a good thing because it can motivate you to change. But I think the line is crossed whenever you involve shame with it. I think shame doesn't help because, for example, if I'm coping with emotions of loneliness, depression, inadequacy, and then I start to feel shame from others or shame from myself, I'm going to fall deeper into those emotions that I'm coping with. So it almost comes into a downhill or downhill spiral. And then last thing is porn in, in most cases doesn't just magically one day disappear. I know a lot of times we like to think of it like this of like, man, July 12th, I overcame pornography and I never looked at it again. And I know that that does happen. But a lot of times, there's a lot of things that lead up to that date of sobriety that take time. There's tools that you need to learn. There's accountability groups that you need to have. And that does take time. So that's that's kind of it. That's that's really all that I wanted to talk about. Again, second episode, I'm going to have my wife on. And then third, we're going to go into the deep psychology of it. And I think it will be really good. But if you struggle with pornography or you have a friend or a spouse or a loved one, I hope that if anything comes from this, you guys are a little bit more educated. And then two, I can be a person that you guys can reach out to and talk to about it.
you guys can DM me, text me, whatever. But if anything comes from that, I just hope that I can help others and and be a light in this space. And um, again, another thing that I would challenge is if you haven't yet, I would challenge you to open up to somebody about it. Again, doesn't need to be on social media. Someone you trust. If you haven't talked to anybody about it, talk to them. I promise you it will make a big difference and you will feel way, way better. And yeah, that's that's basically it. So I'm excited for next episode with my wife. I think it'll be really, really interesting and we'll catch you guys next time.